What You Once Wanted A Sandman Potfic Written by Starkly Star And read by Literarian Part 2 of the When That Piano Sang Again series Chapter 5 Arpeggio Part 1 Hop dreams of ravens It makes sense He's had a raven follow him around for the past four months. He still doesn't know why he suddenly started attracting ravens. Once he'd been convinced that the raven was muttering something along the lines of stupid, bad weather and endless floods, but when he turned to look at the raven, there was only an indignant cawing. He dreams of a raven flying into a tavern, trying to lead him somewhere. Someone is watching him. More than six centuries of being alive, Hop knows when someone is watching him. The raven is gone and there's... There's a sword in Hop's hand, rust at the edges of it, but it's weight perfectly balanced in Hop's hand. Memories from centuries ago bleed into the room, and Hop holds the sword with a grace he had thought he'd forgotten. At the far end of the tavern, the window's curtains shift, dark fabric rippling. Hop jerks the curtain back. A raven calls, and... He stumbles into an open field of green. There's someone at the centre, their coat as black as night, their eyes wide and lips parted in surprise. I don't know who you are, Hop says, sword held high, the stranger flinching. But I'd like to know why you're spying on me. Blue eyes bright as starlight flash at him. Between one second and the next, the field is gone. In its place, a forest of golden leaves, amber and red in the autumn. The stranger is gone too. Only a lingering grief in the air. Heavy. Suffocating. His hands are empty. The sword turned to dust and ash. There's no sound except for the strange music that's been stuck in Hop's head for the past five months. Clouds loom dark in the horizon all around him, but where Hop stands is an island of sunlight, the storm breaking to let a quiet peace settle. It's beautiful, but it feels empty hollow. The same sense of wrongness that's been echoing deep in him. He tries to reach out, tries to grasp at what it is that feels wrong. Hop jerks awake. I saw him walk out of class with, like, this guy wearing a black coat once.
one of his high school students says in a whisper. But I must have imagined it. Hop shakes his head. There's been a lot of speculation about how he spends his time outside school, how it is that he knows so many obscure details about history, and sometimes people tell him they once dreamed of Hop meeting with a man at the pub. It was the weirdest thing, don't know why I'm thinking of that dream now, they'd tell him with a laugh, and Hop would laugh along, because life was too short not to find joy in even the strangest things. When he's not teaching, he spends most of his time in the pub, holed up in a corner beside a piano that he'd restored. He watches from a distance as a woman rests her head on her friend's shoulder, as a man leans across the table to press a smiling kiss on the corner of his boyfriend's lips, as a mother whispers a secret to her grown son, as the son stands up to wrap her in a hug. He stands back as he watches a young man hold his crying friend, watches him rub small circles into their back, and he closes the pub a little later so that they might have a few more moments of peace. A student of his from ten years ago walks in, now grown and with a girlfriend of her own, and she slides him an invitation to her college graduation. Soon he'll have to leave and reinvent himself. Maybe next time he'll come back as a college professor. For now, he takes her invitation and listens. I studied history, his student tells him with a sheepish smile. She tells him about all the wars she's read of, but she tells him also about the wedding rings found in abandoned temples, about flowers pressed into old books, and letters stained with tears and signed with love. The truth of humanity, the small wonders of everyday kindness. Grand gestures were a thing to be admired and remembered, but Hop had learned over the centuries that he treasured more the mundane acts that often got overlooked. The small moments that built upon each other, stringing together into a melody, into a truth strong enough to outlast the whims of fate, the relentlessness of time. When the burning flame of young love faded, all that was left was that bedrock of little moments, of shared heartbeats and gentle memory, and that, that warmth could not be stolen, not even by grief, not even by destiny. There's a book on his bedstand filled with a list of new things he'd discovered through the years, as if he jotted them down to remember to one day tell someone about them. He has no one to tell, but he keeps writing in it anyway. There were things he didn't want to forget. Some ducks that he'd fed in the park. A new telescope launching into space. Some song he'd heard on the radio. 
Hop writes them all down, remembers all the little moments he sees. A history book of his own, one filled with love instead of war, kindness instead of cruelty, hope instead of grave. He writes them all down, hoping that it might fill the hollowness in him, the empty melancholy that he can't be rid of. He still isn't sure why he survived this long. He only knows that he'll go on living until he chooses not to. And yet, even with the melancholy, he clings to the small wonders that keep him smiling, that keep him hoping and dreaming. He knows the shape of love by the shape of his heart, the hollows of it that he can't fill, no matter how he tries. He knows it by the shadows of it, the blurred edges of grief teaching him its price, teaching him the fierceness to hold on to love, to cherish it, to cherish life, no matter how fleeting. Hope is happy. He is, if he forgets about the incessant music stuck in his head, the strangeness of his heart longing for something he's lost, he can fool himself into being content. But he's always been too curious for his own good. He's always been too stubborn. So he pushes and he pushes at the edge of his memories, trying, fighting to find whatever it is. And when he falls asleep, he dreams of sitting in a tavern, laughing with a friend. It's crowded, roaring with loud cheer, full of life. The tables are full with food and drink, enough to last a week. This is your own doing, brother. He overhears a woman speaking in the far corner of the tavern. He's about to dismiss it when a voice, more familiar than the sound of his own pulse, replies. He will not forgive me. Hop turns around, motions sudden enough that his mug of ale falls to the floor, the wood of it clattering loud on the stone floor, spilling into the cracks, irrecoverable. Perhaps, the woman says, a silver necklace around her neck. He can hear her, despite the din of the crowd. But would you take that choice away from him too? Hop stands. His eyes meet the woman's, the man's beside her. The floor beneath him falls away and... He sits up in his bed. Blinking at the morning sun, he looks to his window. Sure enough, there's a raven perched there. He's standing at a crossroads a few months later in London when someone tries to mug him and the mugger gets thrown against the wall, an invisible force blinding them. 
Hop gets thrown back too. It was an empty street, the stones cobbled, blocked off from cars. He had been walking to the small thrift store at the end to get some new artwork for the pub. A new painting to hang on the wall. Something discarded and valued so little, he wants to give it a new home, to hang it in a place of pride because someone, somewhere down the line, must have loved it enough to paint it. When the mugger had tried to reach for him, instinct had kicked in. He could fight his own battles, thank you very much. He'd been in more battles and wars than he cares to count. But before the mugger could even touch him, a bright force had thrown them in the opposite direction. Hard enough that the mugger lands on the opposite side of the street, unconscious. Hop sits up, the stone's heart beneath him. There's a small tear over the knee of his jeans, and he can only hope his phone isn't cracked. Modern phones, he muses for one almost hysterical second. The old phones used to be indestructible. A shadow falls over him and he looks up. There's a tall man with hair going all over the place, messy and black. He's paler than should be healthy and the bags under his eyes betray exhaustion. A hand reaches out to Hob. He takes it, cautious, and pulls himself up. Thank you, Hob says. Then, staring at the stranger, an uneasy feeling settles in him. His instincts tell him he's safe, but that hollowness in him grows, trying to warn him of something. So he adds... I can handle myself, though. Clearly. And the smile flits across the stranger's face, the kind that speaks of an old jest. It's a beautiful thing, but it's gone so quickly, and in its place is a frown, dark and terrible. Are you hurt? I'm good. Hop lets go of his hand. Then, because the uneasiness won't go away, he asks, Do I know you? The man flinches. A raven lands on his shoulder. Hop stares. Is that your bird that's been following me everywhere? The man stares back at him, for some reason speechless. On the other side of the street, the mugger begins to stir awake. And then falls back unconscious, asleep. You know what, Hop says. He's seen his fair share of the occult, tried useless potions, been burned and branded as a witch. He has no desire to mingle with whatever powers they were trying to play with. I've had enough of the supernatural. I want nothing to do with you or the bird. 
Only then does the man step forward, closer to Wardhop. Wait, good day to you, sir. Hop walks away. The next time he dreams, he finds himself in a building that looks like a cathedral. There are mosaics in the far end of the hall, the glass a dark, dark grey that casts long shadows over the tall, arched columns. The ceiling is made of stars, a night sky that's bright with light, with hope except there's a throne set high above the ground. Seated on the steps toward it is a man, the same man with the raven, his black coat spread out over the marble stone, and there's music in the air. A pan flute. The same melody that's been stuck in his head for months. The air whistles with the sound of it, each note a memory lost to the wind, held in time until the next washes it away. The music trembles with each breath, with each new chord, with each new secret whispered into it. And in the small heartbeats after each note, the second of silence before another note is breathed into life. An echo trembles in the hollow, empty hall. The absence of sound, a note of its own, filled with a mourning that makes Hop's heart ache with it. Though the music tries to chase it away, it's never fast enough. The silence lingers at its heels, stubborn and demanding to be heard. Hop steps forward, drawn toward it. I've dreamt of you, he says with a certainty he doesn't feel. The man's head whips up. Between one second and the next, the flute is gone. He looks at Hop with a strange kind of wonder mingled with fear. How? The man stands up, but doesn't descend the steps. He stays, frozen, keeping his distance from Hop. Where am I? Hop asks, taking another step. Who are you? The man shakes his head. How did you come here? Hop stares at him, pushing and pushing at the haziness in his mind. All those dreams, they were real, weren't they? The pieces of it fall together, shards of mosaics fitting against the jagged edges of his heart. We've met! This dream is a... No, it bloody hell isn't over! Hop cuts through, hand thrown in the air. I've had ravens following me everywhere for the past months. I've been going mad trying to find something when I don't even know what I'm looking for. And all this time... Robert Gatling, 
You are asleep, the man says with a force that makes Hop pause. And when you wake, you will not remember me. This can't be a dream, Hop says, more certain now. That day, in the alley. My siblings mark on you, the stranger says. Anyone who desires to harm you will fail. Your sibling? Hop tries to ask. That doesn't... There's pain. Hot, searing pain. And then there's only darkness. Darkness and the loud wail of sirens blinking in and out of thought. An accident, someone says in his ear. Cab driver wasn't looking. The sirens stop. There are people. Someone pushes on his chest. But still, darkness. He doesn't dream. He's just floating, unmoored, unanchored. A steady beeping. Beep. His heart beats. Once. Beep. Another beat. Beep. He's lying on a bed. A hospital, maybe? His hands are laid out on his sides, but he can't wake up. He can't. And then... You promised you would not take him, a familiar voice says, and Hop can hear the frown, the anger in it. I can't save him, brother. Another voice replies. A woman. Then a softness against his cheek, almost like a feather from a bird's wings. This was the will of the kindly ones. None of us could have stopped the accident. Accident? Hop tries to think. He'd been in a cab, going home from a bookshop in Soho. He must have fallen asleep, and the cab must have gotten into an accident, ripping him out of that strange dream. Whoever is in the room with him, they can't be doctors. And if they aren't doctors... Desire. Can't save him either. The woman interrupts the man. There's not enough of him to save. Not this time. It would be cruel to let him linger in the darkness between worlds. Footsteps coming closer, a hand hovering over Hop's knuckles. Close enough that Hop can feel the warmth of it in the hazy, painless darkness, but not close enough to touch. Is there truly no way to keep him among the living? There's desperation seeping into the man's voice, an urgency that Hop wants to soothe away. There is a way. A beat. An eternity.
his memories. There is more than enough of him in them to bring him back into the living. The hand pulls away from him, leaving Hop with the same hollowness that's haunted him for the past months. I made a bargain with desire. To return his memories would make it forfeit. Our purpose isn't about quests. The woman scoffs, but her voice lilts with a tired fondness. It isn't about bargains. We're here for them. He would choose to live, despite and in spite of any danger. He would choose to love you. No one in their right mind would choose an eternity with me, the man huffs. Even blind, in the darkness, Hop can imagine the man's hunched shoulders, and he aches again to reach out. Has desire not proven that enough times, with my past lovers as pawns? It is his life to live. Another beat, and the woman goes on. It was you who did not pass Desire's test. It was no test, the voice turns angry. It was a threat against me, against him. It was a warning. If you had kept ignoring Desire... If you had kept ignoring your heart, then he would be hurt, and so would you. The woman's voice rises as Hop tries to figure out the darkness, this strange dream. Honestly, why can't you just stop and think for a moment before going to such lengths? Desire would have hurt him to hurt me, could have led demons and gods to him. And would you not have hurt him more by dismissing his heart? Silence, and then... Return his memories, brother, the woman warns. Or you will lose him. Hop wants to ask, wants to... The darkness shifts back into the throne room. The man is there again. This time, Hob is standing on the throne steps, and the man walks up the steps to meet Hob there. Everything is hazy, a pain lingering in the back of his head, but he's so far away from the waking world that he doesn't feel it. It's all moving so quickly that he struggles to keep up. Hop blinks. I am Dream of the Endless. The man says, with the same urgency as earlier, desperate for Hop to trust him. His hand is held out for Hop to take, palm turned up. Morpheus, king of dreams, lord of the nightmare realm. Dream. Hop tries the name out, mind racing. Morpheus. Morpheus nods, 
and though his face is expressionless, Hop notices a small flinch. Notices the way Morpheus' other hand is clenched into a tight fist. There's something unreadable, regret and fear and grief in the hunch of Morpheus's shoulders. His dark coat grazes over the edge of the steps, and Hop realizes he's wearing a coat too, a dark red one that Hop thought he'd lost in the 1700s. A sense of safety and caution wars in him, and Hop stares at the outstretched hand for a second longer before throwing caution to the winds. This was a dream, nothing more. We were friends once, Morpheus says. His hand trembles in Hop's hold, and Hop, despite his confusion, despite the unease cresting high, squeezes Morpheus's hand, hoping to give some measure of comfort. You were injured in an accident. Morpheus goes on, no longer meeting Hobbes' gaze. I wished to spare you pain, to run from my own fear. His thumb brushes over a silver scar on Hobbes' knuckles. But I was wrong, foolish. We were friends. Hop tries to catch up, tries to understand the snippets, the glimpses that he's caught over the months. He vowed to never forgive me, Morpheus says in lieu of an answer. It strikes a chord of fear in him, cold dread pooling. And yet... Still he feels drawn in, still he wants to step even closer. We all make mistakes, Hop offers. Morpheus holds Hop's hand tight enough to bruise, as if wanting to stretch the moment a little longer, as if Hop's hand in his was a stolen secret. Hobgadling. Morpheus closes his eyes, the starlight in them dimming, guilt staining the fondness in his words. How I have missed you. Missed me? Hop parrots back again. He has almost no memory of anyone named Morpheus. This must simply be a dream, but he's sure, somehow, that this was more real than any world, and for this man, for Morpheus to be this distraught over Hobbes' welfare. Morpheus had called them friends. Had they been in love once? Your heart is failing. Morpheus tells him. Above them, the mosaics shift from dark grey into a soft pink, letting light through. 
an accident. If this was true, if this wasn't just a dream and instead some in-between before the afterlife, Hop wonders how many new scars he has, how many more times his bones will have to heal, each new break fixing itself despite life's insistence to make him keep falling, make him keep failing. His body picks itself up, fixes its own cracks. But now... I'm dying. Hop tries the words out, tries to grapple with it. He had been granted so many lifetimes, had seen so many wonders, so many hurts. And yet he looks up at the endless ceiling above them, the nebula blinking in and out of life, Morpheus' hand shifts so that it rests against the thready pulse in Hop's wrist, and he asks, quiet, weary, wary, Do you still wish to live? Yes, always. He didn't want it for the sake of immortality. It felt selfish, sometimes, to live on when others could not. But other times, he lives on because others could not. He lives on in their memory. He visits the grandchildren of friends he'd lost and tells them about smiles as bright as summer. He lays flowers on graves that no longer exist, visits farm fields now turned into lifeless towers and Rome's ruins that used to be grand palaces. Hop teaches history because some truths were too kind to be forgotten and he lets them live in his memories. He carries them with nowhere to go but forward toward the great unknown that promised no certainty that promised only adventure. He's always been curious too, though, so he asks, Where would I go if I died? Hop knows the answer before it comes. You may stay here, if you wish, where you might find peace among dreams. There was so much longing in Morpheus's words, reined in only by eons of a heart tempered by duty. What? Hop asks, snorting, trying to picture it. An eternity of dreaming. Like Sleeping Beauty. It was not love that woke her. Morpheus says, and for a second Hop catches another glimpse of another world, dark, without a sun. It was courage. For was it not courage enough to simply wake up each morning, 
Was it not a defiance to wake and face the world again and again with bruised knees and scarred fists and the brazen laugh, a kind smile? Nightmares gave you the courage to face your fears, and dreams gave you the hope to move beyond them. And death... Death is a Max game, Hop answers at last, the words coming to him. He wants to ask why the words feel so familiar, why he feels so drawn into it. Before he can ask, Morpheus steps closer to him, presses Hop's hand against his own beating heart. Too warm to be human, and he places a kiss over the crown of Hop's hair, lips a gentle, gentle brush that leaves Hop wanting, that fills the hollows of his... Forgive me. Morpheus pleads, begs. Perhaps love could not save those who were cursed. Perhaps fairy tales had lost their truth, passed down from generation to generation until their lessons were blurred, until all that was left of their cruel realities was a hope for love, for an undying love, for a love returned but Morpheus holds him with all the love that God once was, with all the light the world forgot, burning with a fierceness almost terrifying, too much for a heart to hold, for a lifetime to keep. It stretches across eternities, across lost forevers and forgotten hopes and crumpled fears, how far can love stretch, can love grow, before it breaks? Before it shatters, collapsing onto itself with the force of its own gravity. Hop stumbles back. His mind flashes. It reels. I do love you. Hopgatling. The truth rings in him, and... I wish you every happiness. Hop stumbles again, almost falling off the steps, but Morpheus holds him steady. He tries to breathe through the pain, the starburst of memories. He's angry, angrier than he ever remembers, because how dare he? Twelve months, an entire year. Maybe it was a heartbeat in the fabric of eternity, a blink of an eye. But Hob had lived a life in that year, had spent hours and months wondering what he'd lost, the hollow ache haunting him, and all this time... He remembers now, kissing Morpheus. He remembers the desperation, the heat of it, burning, 
burning until Hop had felt helpless, until he had lost himself, lost his memories in it. He remembers pleading, remembers breaking himself against Morpheus' lips, his trust cracking even as his love fought and his hope clung on. And he can't. He can't. Hob has half a mind to storm out, but his anger roots him there, and he's breathing heavily, and he's... He wrenches his hand away. Hop. Morpheus tries to call him, tries to say something. He shakes his head. Hop's hand curls into fists, nails digging into his palm. It hurts, it hurts to think that Morpheus had done that, had weighed the scales and deemed Hop's memories worth the cost. And for what? For what? It's a dream, and it bends to his will, and... The force of his anger sends the air lashing out, strong enough that it forces Morpheus to stumble back to... that it almost throws Morpheus back. Hob, Morpheus says again. And Hob... He looks at Morpheus, looks at the way Morpheus's gaze trembles with all their unsaid words, all their time lost, and his heart aches with it. He can't breathe, can't think. He doesn't know who he is, and he tries to grapple with six centuries of memory stolen, of love erased, of friendship cast aside tries to understand why, but he can't. There's only trust broken, and love betrayed, and... Morpheus takes a step forwards. Hop turns away. This dream... Hob throws the words at him, harsh and cutting. Is over!